It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jays Millie's Welcome back. This is the Locked On Celtics Podcast. And we want to thank you for making this part of your daily routine. We're here for you Monday through Friday, and maybe sometimes a little bit extra during the playoffs, and we are... Here on this Monday, celebrating a 110-106 victory over the Indiana Pacers and a sweep in the first round. The first sweep since 2011 when the Celtics swept the Knicks when KG, Pierce, and Ray Allen were still on this team. So it's been a while. Celtics dispatching the Indiana Pacers, and we're going to talk about it. I'm John Corrales of MassLive.com, joined by my Mass Live partner on the beat, Tom Westerholm. What's up, Tom? What's up, what's up? Uh, we're here in Indy. We're at the game, covering the game. I hope you're reading all of our coverage at Mass Live. It's MassLive.com slash Celtics. Bookmark it. Do yourself a favor, bookmark it, because we are pumping out the content <laughs> daily for you. Uh, so here's what we're going to do. Segment three, we're going to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, because that's probably who the Celtics are going to play. Uh, I don't think we need to waste our time with any Detroit Pistons talk. <laughs> let's uh, let's get into Andre Drummond. <laughs> yeah, in the Hall of Fame case for Andre Hall Drummond. Hall of Fame case. Shout out to our buddy Sopan. <laughs> the second segment, we'll talk about the entire series. But let's start here with Game 4, which I don't know that the Celtics... I mean, they came in... I think, I think after they came out with like an 8-0 lead, they went on that quick run. I have a feeling that they were just kind of like, up. Oh, they're going to roll over and die. And the Celtics sort of backed off because they got sloppy after that, they didn't they? Yeah, they definitely did. And I, I thought that, you know, I, I thought especially on the defensive end, you know, Stevens loves to talk about how, um, you know, defensive execution is, is obviously crucial. And especially with this team and that they this team does lose focus, you know, on occasion. Um, but I, I, I did think that, you know, like you said, they went up eight nothing, and I think we all kind of expected that to be a bit of a knockout punch too, because like we talked about this a lot. Why would this Indiana team want right. to go back to Boston? You're down three zero. You're definitely going to lose this series. You don't have your best player. I get that they're like a bunch of like you know, and I mean this in the good way. I get that they're a bunch of like a bunch of kind of tryhards sure. uh, who are like you know pushing and pushing and pushing, but like. Why would they want to go back to Boston? So I, I thought the Celtics. I'm sure the Celtics had the same thought. I'm sure they thought that yeah, we're out to an eight nothing start. We're rolling right, right now. Like I, I'm, I'm sure that was the case. Right. And obviously, it was not. I almost tweeted because their their playoff motto is "Gold don't quit." And at, when they went up eight nothing, I almost tweeted, "Looks like gold is going to quit." But I held off. I was like, ah, I don't know. They, they they might have something left. And, and to their credit, they did. They did. They gold did. did they, not quit. They did not quit. And they didn't. 
at all at any point in this game. So the Celtics were actually down after one. They were down after two. They made a little bit of run at, at the end of the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, the turning point was the flagrant foul, mm. I think, on uh, Jason Tatum. Because th- there were stretches. There were runs. But there was it was there was no Kyrie or Al. There was no big uh, takeover from those guys. They they were cold. Um, which why don't we do this? You said earlier that you were concerned during the game mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Kyrie and Al were cold, and there was no like switch where Kyrie said, "You know what? I'm done screwing around here. I'm going to take over." So. Why don't you talk about what was going through your mind in the fourth quarter when it was pretty clear that Kyrie still didn't have it? Yeah, no, I mean, I think so. When Kyrie really gets going, it's, you know, he's getting to the basket. He's getting these layups. You know, he's and what happened a lot with with Indiana in game four is he was going to these really, really difficult ISO shots where he's going into a half a spin move and he's, you know, going behind his back and he's fading away and he's got Miles Turner in his face and he can hit those shots because he's, you know, one of the more impressive offensive talents in the NBA. But when he really gets going is when he, you know, a big comes out to him and he puts his whole body into the big and then he just kind of scoots by him and then he gets to the hoop for a layup and that, and there was none of that. You know, he wasn't doing that. He was, he was taking these really difficult ISO shots and, you know, I kind of, I thought that the Celtics kind of got into a rhythm with where they were just watching him try mm-hmm. to create ISOs. And, you know, I, I just didn't think that there was enough. And, and obviously with Al struggling, that made a big difference as well. You know, if when Al hits a couple of shots, that opens up things for Kyrie as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I did think that there was some some real cause for concern there. Not not in terms of the series, right. but in terms right. of, you know, them closing out the Pacers. I thought that there was a, a real reason to believe that Indiana could have pulled that one off. Let me ask you this. Do you think that shot that Kyrie took from Miles Turner in the first quarter where he went down, it looked like he – I thought he might have gotten the wind knocked out of him a little bit, but he you know, was trying to stretch it out. And afterwards, when he was asked about it on the podium, he says, oh, what am I going to tell you that I'm sitting here hurting? Like maybe that was a – okay, something was hurting and he just didn't want to go all the way to the rim maybe. and get that contact because he was sore. I think that's plausible. Um, I mean, you know, that's one of those things that we'll probably never know the answer yeah. to. I, I don't think that he's ever going to. Not cop until the season him. is over. And and even then, it's like he, he'll be fine by game one. Sure, you know, oh, yeah. he, uh, yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. and like, and he if finished he, the game, he exactly. Okay. And and if he's fine by game one, then this whole thing obviously goes away because right. you know, then then game one starts, and we're not, we're I mean, definitely it, it not goes worried away about now game because four. they won the game, exactly. and nobody really cares. N- nobody's worried about game four against the Pacers in a sweep. Like it's right. fine. It's it's done. Um, so. They had and they had a pretty balanced scoring attack before the Gordon Hayward kind of explosion. But yeah, that we're, we're coming up to that point. The Jason Tatum, so just under seven minutes to go. Terry Rozier, who had a pretty nice series, we'll talk about that in the next segment. Steals the ball, gets it up to Tatum in the regular season. Curry Joseph peels off and it's a dunk. Uh, <laughs> With his season on the line, and and I credit Corey Joseph for. I don't think he went in like trying to hurt Jason Tatum. I don't think he went in there trying to, not even trying to foul him. He's just Corey Joseph, and he's small, and he couldn't jump up, but he made the effort to go and try and challenge the shot. Just the angle, he hit him in the head. Okay, it's a flagrant one. 
Tatum after the game didn't didn't think anything of it. Mook, who was jawing, didn't think anything of it. Uh, I don't think anybody really thought anything of it. But at that time, with the Celtics down one, they needed some of that juice. They needed something to kind of boost them. And that thing there where it was the flagrant foul and everybody kind of rallied, like that was, I think, kind of like that vitamin B12 shot that got them going through the end of the fourth quarter. Um, and I think Tatum hitting that shot and then Mook hit a three after that, that started the progression of, okay, this game is over. Then Gordon Hayward kind of took over and hit a couple of threes down that stretch. Yeah, and, and I think it was interesting, too, because you, you mentioned the juice. And I think that it was funny. Gordon Hayward actually had some juice because he got oh, yeah. just decimated by that dunk by Turner <laughs> in the first half. I mean, he just got, you know, he, he just that got so mushed bad. by that dunk. And <laughs> and then, and to his credit, I mean, he came back and he hit, a, I think, the Celtics hit a three. Yeah. And, uh, like, back in the first half. And then Hayward got to the rim and, he, you know, he got, a, like, a tough hook. Like with yeah, it was an hand. and one. Uh, maybe, yeah. Was but he, he got, like, a tough hook over Miles Turner yeah, with, his, yeah. with his left. And then, yeah, and then in the in the, in the in the fourth, you know, he started, he got the and one on Turner. He got the three, um, you know, where he, he backed up against Turner and then mm-hmm. came up and hit the shot. And, you know, he tried to dunk on Turner on the one where Baines got the offensive foul. It was a bullshit uh, offensive foul. <laughs> anyway. Um, but, yeah, so, like, I, I thought that, you know, the juice that they lagged, that this whole series lacked, actually did kind of, you know, did kind of play a part. Like, you could tell, you know, I, I wasn't sure, I, I'm not sure that they necessarily were inspired by the Corey Joseph thing. I think, you know, Mook got a really good look on that three. He was wide open. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a great shot. Um, you know, it was a great look. And, uh, you know, I, I think that he, everybody really was kind of un, unconcerned about the Joseph foul. I did think that, you know, most guys in that situation, they swipe for it first rather mm-hmm. than trying to go up and contest it. They try to swipe at the ball yeah. while he's still on the ground because that was, you know, it was it was kind of a dangerous foul. Like Joseph sure. hit him oh, in the yeah, yeah, hit yeah. him in the head in the air, and like that's why the flagger one was a good call. Clearly, Joseph didn't mean there was no intent behind it. Like right. you know, and and the Celtics knew that too. But I think that most guys take that swing at the ball while the guy's on the ground um, because mm-hmm. it could be dangerous otherwise. But you know, to your point, uh, you know, I think the juice actually did kind of did did kind of play a role down the stretch, which was kind of fun to see in a series that really lacked chippiness that lacked that kind of extra you know that extra brooklyn philly uh yeah vibe to it that that would have made the series a little more fun yeah this series had a whole lot of mutual respect um I, that's why i've i've heard brad talk about two things over the last uh, series and one of them are well no, no one of them is hitting singles <laughs> yeah, oh and, the, uh, and the other one is how much he respects the pacers yes. and they're so well coached so and they play so hard they're so physical like he played the game the right way that guy that guy's the biggest nate mcmillan fan <laughs> i was gonna say that guy's the biggest nate mcmillan fan except for nate mcmillan's family but no i think brad is probably more brad of a McMillan. Yeah. yeah yeah well i mean look brad is absolutely not going to do or say anything that can in any way be taken as a sign of disrespect to correct opponent. yeah any opponent like and that's 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 Brad and I respect that a lot. Like he's he's just not going to be a shit talker, and 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 he he may find ways to tweak, but he will in absolutely no way tweak the opponent. He'll tweak his own guys. Yeah, but he's nothing but respect for the opponent, um, which which I respect. I, I I like that approach from him. Um, Gordon Hayward in this in this game down the stretch. He, I, what did he score in the fourth quarter? Because I know he had a couple of threes after that, and one of those threes was uh, 
when he hit the first three for them to go up ten. Yep. He was eight. yapping. When, it, when they went up eight with the three over Turner, with the where he dribbled into it. Right, but he wasn't. I don't. Was he talking after that one? Yes. Okay. He was, he was definitely yapping after that one. He might have been yapping after the one in the corner too. But, but yeah, he would. Whichever one it was, he was just animated, and I don't know. Maybe he had some some uh, residual kind of like getting a guy back after getting dunked on. But he was. I I don't see Gordon Hayward that animated very often. He ended up with nine points in the fourth quarter, and uh, along with Jason Tatum having nine points. Mook had eight in in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and that's some some pretty solid performances there from guys not Kyrie, and <laughs> who had four, and not Al Horford who had three, but uh, and all on free throws. Neither yeah. of those two made a shot. I mean, Kyrie and Al were combined eight for thirty three. Yeah. So yeah. So no, and I thought, and and to your point about Hayward, uh, you know, yapping like I, I almost didn't think that he was. Um, necessarily yapping at anybody on the other team. No, I, I think, think so he either. was just. I think he was just hyped, and he was in front of a lot of friends and a lot of family mm-hmm. in Indianapolis, and mm-hmm. he had just gotten embarrassed in the first half. And I think <laughs> for him, he. I really think that he just. You know, he felt a lot better after hitting those shots, and he just got super amped, and he was. He was just talking like yeah. you know, if any anybody who has played basketball has had that moment where you you know you hit a big shot, and even if you're not like yapping at your defender, you're just. You're just, you're just like yapping. Just even if it's into like the these guys can't stop me, these guys can't stop me, something right. like that. Like you know that you're you're just you're just saying stuff. <laughs> Stuff's just coming out of your mouth. <laughs> just saying stuff. Uh, I, I think it's a a great look at the competitive side of Gordon Hayward. Yeah, and it's not not to overblow it, but he's such an aw shucks kind of guy, like a Midwest Indiana kind of guy, like Brad. He's he never says much in the post game press conference. He never says much to the media. He's always straight laced. He gives canned answers, very professional. But everybody talks about you know G having that that streak, that thing. Uh, I think somebody said he's got a little bit of asshole in him or something yeah. like that. Like so, Mook said that. Yeah. No. Well, of course, it sounds like some some Mook yeah. say. But <laughs> um, just that fieriness in that moment was just a nice little, just a little peek yeah. at. The the streak that's inside Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Okay. So that's game four. We don't need to go crazy about game four. Let's talk about the Pacers series when we come back after the break. A reminder, if you're a new listener, whether you are a Pacers fan looking to get our perspective or a Bucks fan looking to see what we're saying about the series or just the Celtics fan that's just discovered us, subscribe to the show. You can do it on the new Himalaya podcast app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, we're, we're everywhere podcasts exist, and you can even get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Celtics. Do that, and we're going to come right back with more on this sweep of the Indiana Pacers here on the Locked On Celtics podcast. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. 
Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. Like I said before, this is the first sweep since 2011, so it's been a long time. The Celtics have... It's hard to sweep a team, but the Celtics were able to do it partly because the Pacers were mostly because the Pacers, just without Victor Oladipo, didn't have that guy to carry them, and Victor Oladipo just unlocks the strengths of everybody or enhances the strengths of everybody around him because he's so good, he commands so much attention. That makes Bogdanovich so much more dangerous. It makes everybody else so much more dangerous when he's on the floor. So my question to you, Tom, is how much of the success that we saw and a lot of the things that we wrote about, masslive.com slash Celtics, by the way, how much of that is the real postseason Celtics are different than the regular season Celtics and how much of that is, eh, they face the Pacers who are tough and physical and blah, 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 but they're just not very good. So here's my thing with that, right? I don't know that it matters. And here's why. I think that with the Celtics, basically all, basically their entire postseason run is going to come down to the headspace that they are in. Like, if they are in a good mood, if they are feeling confident, if they're feeling mm-hmm. connected, then they're going to be very good. They've got more talent than pretty much any other team. Like, they, they've got all these guys who are so good. That was the whole point of this team was that they assembled this, like, right. you know, super group of very talented dudes. And now they have all of those guys playing, you know, pretty well. And if those guys continue to play pretty well, then they're going to be really, really tough to take out because of the talent. So... I just kind of think, you know, when, when this team has, you know, Brad kind of talked about it today. He, he mentioned that, you know, when this team didn't necessarily, I think you asked him actually, like, or somebody asked him about prosperity and how, yeah. um, and, and how this team doesn't always handle prosperity well. And Brad pointed out, well, actually, they don't handle adversity well. You know, when they lose a game, then they tend to lose another game. Then they tend to get in their heads and they tend to, they, when you can't afford that in the playoffs because you only right. have four losses in a series. So, I think it kind of, but it kind of doesn't matter how the wins were obtained. It kind of doesn't, it just, it just matters like if they're feeling connected, if Kyrie's in a good mood, if Kyrie's good mood is trickling down to the rest of the team because Kyrie's moods really trickle down to everybody else. Right, right. And he's in a good mood right now. He's sure. connected with everybody. He's, he's loving Jason Tatum. Like he's, he's happy. So everybody else is happy. So they're playing pretty well. Yeah. And I think against a team like Milwaukee, you know, that series is going to be a dogfight, and it kind of it, like the fact that the Pacers didn't have Oladipo, 
they're still a tough team. Mm-hmm. Um, that like like the X's and O's aren't necessarily as important as the Celtics getting themselves in a good headspace entering the next series because a good headspace really more than most other basketball teams could carry this team down the road. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I think one of the things that I wrote today, uh, Sunday, Monday, whenever you read, <laughs> listen, uh, was about that bench, that depth, and that this series was the closest that we've gotten to the preseason expectation Celtics in that Kyrie did Kyrie things. Al did Al things. Um, obviously they were off in game four, but whatever they, they were pretty much great throughout. Um, but that actually, that plays to your point that because when, because with the depth, exactly. if Kyrie and Al are having a bad game, that's okay because right. Terry and Mook and Tatum and Hayward can all step up in their right. place. That's, that's my point. Um, and that these guys have now, they're, they're getting away from the bullshit that plagued their regular season, that all of the individual forays that they went on, the early season Tatum mid-range Kobe crap, the season-long Terry Rozier, it's my turn, I'm going to start launching these pull-up threes when... You know, I, I the Charlotte game just sticks out in my mind because that was such a – that game doesn't mean shit right now. But the way they played to, to blow that lead, that stuff isn't – or at least it didn't happen. And there is a feeling through four games that so many of these things that they did are sort of gone. Like – the comeback in game two, where down 12, they look like absolute crap in the third quarter when Turner was blocking everything and changing every shot and everybody looked terrible. That was a game that they really, I think, would have lost. And to come back and make their run without Kyrie and see, hey, Turner's off the floor. Let's, instead of firing threes and just trying to get it all back, to Brad's point in his favorite phrase, hitting singles, they kept attacking, they drove, they got a dunk, they got an and one, and they got back in the game. So when Kyrie came back in, it was a four-point game, and then boom. So I think there is some level of this is real, to your point, mentality-wise. I do also think that while that is true, some level of their success, the things that they were able to complete, were because the Pacers just the glaring they can't make a shot when they needed to make a shot. I mean, if, if we really go back and pour over the game film of the first four games. Which we are not going to do. We are not going to do, <laughs> but... I can, in my brain, think of many shots that the Pacers could have hit that could have changed the complexion of any one of these games, that they had a a chance to win any one of these games. So 
And, and that's good. But the thing is, that's going to be true with a defensive team like the Pacers, no matter what. Like, you know, and, and you know, this goes back to Oladipo, obviously, but the, the Pacers make things difficult as a defensive team because they are, you know, they, they keep things close because they are so good defensively. They muck up the game, they, they make everything tough, and they, they, they really, you know, make things physical. They, they, they do all that kind of stuff. So obviously, like in those types of games, like it's just kind of inevitable that a, a shot here or a shot there could change things because they're good defensively. Um, you know, and and the Celtics to their credit, and I think the other thing too is in the playoffs, um, e- each possession matters so much that just being able to grind it out matters against the Pacers team. It's going to matter against the Bucks. It, it it is sort of like almost a possession by possession thing where I'm not even sure that there's that much play-by-play stuff that you can take away from the Pacers to the Bucks because each play matters so much, because each possession matters so much. I don't even, I don't know if that makes sense, but that no, I, I feel like that that is a playoff thing where, um, you know, in, in-game adjustments matter, but it's not necessarily about, you know, here's what we can take away momentum-wise from game to game because each possession is so important. Why don't we do this? I, I think we're, we're going to settle on... There's a little bit of... I think there's a little bit of this. The Celtics' success was was because there were not to say that they they wouldn't have swept. Sure, they still could have swept, but some of the Pacers hitting some of those shots would have made things a lot more interesting. Definitely. Um, but they are also playing more connected, um, and they are they are getting away from some of those bad habits. Definitely. That's enough Pacers talk. <laughs> We're going to take a break. Forever. <laughs> Forever. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk Bucks with the warning that I'm getting a low battery signal on the recorder. So this might turn into uh, just a John only when I get back to my computer <laughs> as opposed to John and Tom talking about the Bucks series. So <laughs> there's that caveat. So who knows what will happen? We'll talk about that next on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. like rapid fire while we try to get the last bits of juice out of this just like this series getting the last <laughs> bits of juice out of these batteries so celtics we'll just go ahead and preview just briefly celtics bucks because the bucks are going to just I'm gonna, put, I'm gonna put it on a timer how much time should we put on these uh on our takes like let's just do let's just do takes each <laughs> just quick takes yeah uh i don't know 45 seconds all right uh you are on the clock starting Right now. Okay. My first 45 second take is you do not start Aaron Baines in this series. It's mm, a good take. Because it's not a good matchup. And I think the key to scoring on the Bucks is getting Brooke Lopez out of the paint. And if you start Aaron Baines, then Brooke Lopez has, Brooke Lopez has somebody to play that's not going to be pulled away. So you start Horford and then... Bring Baines off the bench specifically for that reason. And whoever else you start, we can debate. But it's Horford plus four other guys that are not, one of which is not Aaron Baines. All right. You only used 35 seconds. Well done. Um, All right. So my 45-second take, clock's going now, is 
I think the Celtics are really going to miss Marcus Smart in this series, and mm-hmm. they didn't necessarily miss him as much against Indiana just because the Pacers didn't have enough scoring. Period. They would have missed him a lot if they, if Oladipo had been in the in, had been around. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I just think that Smart's ability to switch, Smart's ability to he can handle. I mean, I'm not going to say he can handle Giannis, but I mean he can handle a few possessions against sure. Giannis without just getting you know murdered. And they are going to. I mean. You know, Giannis is an MVP candidate, and it's partly because of his physicality. And Smart is a guy who can handle physicality. So, I think they're they're really going to miss him. They're going to miss his secondary ball creation. And uh, weirdly enough, this season they're going to miss his shooting a little bit. So, I think I think the lack of Smart is going to really matter. There's 45 seconds. <laughs> okay, my next 45 second take. Going back to the Edit. lineups and rotations. Start Shemi Ojale. I know it was banging that drum in the first round. It didn't matter. But now I'm going to bang that drum again, and I think it makes more sense. A, because they did it last year to some success. And I understand that it's a different team, a different year. Giannis is different. But the thing that Brad Stevens told me once recently was that you don't necessarily want to play one of your main guys that you count on down the stretch to score against Giannis early. You want those fouls because Giannis is going to get fouled. You want those fouls to maybe go to somebody else. A guy like Shemi who's strong, who can slide his feet, who can maybe give Giannis some problems. So, start Shemi, not Jalen. Time. All right. So, no, start Shemi, not Baines. Not Baines. Yes, yes. Jalen starts in your hypothetical. Okay. Um, My thing (laughs) is that... Um, I, I, so my next one, I think that the Celtics are going to really, really target, uh, mismatches. Uh, and I think that's going to be, so I, I had the, the negative for the Celtics. I think that smart is smart's absence is really going to matter. I think that the mismatches that they can hammer in this series are going to really matter, um, in their favor. You know, they play Brooke Lopez basically off the floor. Miritich is, I mean, that guy gets get just decimated. just gets crushed by the Celtics. They won a couple of games in, against New Orleans just because he was, you know, on the floor. Um, so I just think that, like, Boston is, is, has gotten really good at targeting mismatches, and now they have Hayward coming in who loves to back the ball out to half court when he gets a mismatch and then drive it at the guy, which is something I wrote about. My 10 things, mismatches. <laughs> okay, next. I think the Celtics are going to bomb away from three, but not because of what Milwaukee has done because without Lopez in the paint, they will drive and kick and suck in uh, Giannis. They will suck in other defenders because with Lopez away from the rim, that will soften things up. What Milwaukee has done best from three is give up the inefficient shots and give up the types of threes that they want you to take. I think the Celtics are going to be successful from three because they're going to start taking the threes that they want to take. And that's, the penetration, the aggression that we've seen from Jason Tatum, the aggression that we've seen from these other guys, it's going to lead to a lot more driving kick. And I'm going to say that the passes that we saw, like the one from Jalen, is going to be the type of pass that we see much more often in this series. You only like the 51 seconds. Um, to, it's to my your, podcast. True. true. <laughs> to your point, um, the the I think that the first time these teams met, the Celtics launched more threes than I think they had in like, like franchise history. No, I think they put. I literally think they put up fifty or sixty of yeah. them. Like yeah, it was ridiculous. All right, uh, should we make this my last forty-five seconds here? Mm-hmm. All right, so mine is. We're finally going to get some juice. We're finally going to get some beef. It's going to be so much more fun. <laughs> like, like 
Eric Bledsoe last year, like the Drew Bledsoe thing. I mean, it was dumb. It was over dramatic, but it was so much fun to have these guys who just like don't like each other and who just like, you know, you you could just tell there's just like that extra charge in the air. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was so much fun. Honestly, like the Celtics crowd when there's beef is incredible. Like they're they're so much fun. Milwaukee's crowd was incredible. It's going to be such a fun series and it's going to be such a breath of fresh air after this Indiana one where there was just nothing to it. So that uh, I, I got that one done in 40 seconds. Nice. Let's go. All right. So uh, so let's let's wrap it up with just off the top of your head. You're not going to necessarily be held to this prediction. I hate this. OK. What do you think? Just t- just a feeling. You don't even have to predict, but just give a sort of feeling. <sighs> so my and so here's the thing. My feeling is influenced by the fact that. I watched last year's series, and that's dumb because last year's series they were coached by Joe Pronti instead of Mike sure, Budenholzer. Sure, so, like, sure. it's it's it is a tough one. I think that the Celtics won all of the home games last year. They are a better team on the road this year, mm-hmm. and I just like it. Just feels, and obviously they have Kyrie and Gordon Hayward's playing well. It feels like a series where the Celtics have a real chance. I'm going to I'm going to go Celtics in seven, and like as as long as I'm not being held to this because. I don't know. I, I can't get a feel for this one. It'll be I, I your think, initial reaction right now is Celtics in seven, and I, it comes. It really comes down. I mean, <laughs> we've talked about this before. I have been down on this Celtics team for months, and sure. now Gordon Hayward's good, and I'm like, oh, everything makes sense again. So yeah. that that's where I'm at with this. I I don't disagree. I think Celtics in seven is a, a real possibility. I think the Celtics have a real shot at winning this, and right now I'm going to say. That the Celtics, I'm leaning towards the Celtics winning this series. And yeah, Prunty was the coach last year, but a lot of these players are the same players. A lot of their flaws are the same flaws. And the strengths that they have are strengths that can the Celtics can play out of the series. Again, defensively. Or at least can contend with. Right. Defensively, their strategy has been to funnel players into uh, Lopez and to uh, have him as a rim protector. If you don't have him there, they don't have another rim protector. Right. Giannis is a rim protector. Correct. But so, it. But what happens if Giannis? You you could get Giannis into foul trouble. You, it, it's possible that the Celtics can steal one of these games in Milwaukee by just getting Giannis in foul trouble and making him less aggressive. They also have the type of defense that can build a wall that can force Giannis to be a little bit more of a jump shooter. And because the playoff physicality is at a different level than the regular season physicality, I think that they will get away with more than they did during the regular season. I think there's enough of a formula. The Bucks were the better team all season long. They deserve every accolade. But playoffs, matchups, the Celtics... Al Horford is is the huge key here. Um, I know Giannis is the best player. Kyrie's pretty close. And the Celtics just have a lot better talent at other positions. Anything else to say? I will add that I think it's plausible that the Celtics lose games one and two and self-combust. Because they are a self-combustible team. Also very plausible. <laughs> I like so I think like it could be Celtics and seven. Like it literally could also be Bucks and Four. Like I don't I don't <laughs> no, think that's out of the question. It's possible. All right. I think we did it. Yes. Still low battery here. It's probably gonna <laughs> cut out in the middle of my thing, but 
which would be funny, but I'm going to leave it. Uh, <laughs> that's the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Remember, all of you new listeners, go ahead and subscribe. You can do that through the Himalaya Podcast app, Google Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere podcasts exist. You can ask your smart device at home or in the car to play podcast Lockdown Celtics. All of you regular listeners, thank you very much for sticking with us through all this time and, and listening to the show. Give us that five-star rating. Give us that good review and share the podcast. Tell everybody to listen to the Locked On Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.